Hey, I want to personally welcome you to Cordless Creators. Here on this show, Joe will interview guests who are in the entertainment industry, such as myself. Join the community today and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to them to get the newest episode straight to your device as soon as it is released. And for the latest updates, view his website, cordlesscreators.com. What have the past few months been like for you with COVID and everything? Past few months or like the past two years? <laughs> uh, it stinks, man. I don't like COVID. Nobody likes COVID. I think at first we were, you know, definitely more scared than now. And whenever when they first started locking down. So I, I started learning how to, uh, you know, use uh, social media and StreamYard and all those different wonderful tools so that I could broadcast my uh, little interview show, the Caswell Cook Show. And um, we did a lot of things virtually with all the different jobs that I have, whether it's, you know, town council, we went, we went virtual, um, Musquamake Business Association, we, you know, we couldn't have certain events in person. So we started doing virtual stuff. I don't know. We just got nimble. Same thing at my church. We just, you know, couldn't have services. So we went virtual. So yeah, everything kind of, you know, we, uh, we adjusted and we went virtual, but you know, hopefully now we can do normal things soon. <laughs> yes. Hopefully. Now walk me through your past work experiences. What have they been like? Uh, too many things. Um, it, it looks good on paper, but, uh, I, um, I'm on the Wesley Town Council, so 16 years uh, I've done that, um, seven terms, eight terms, yeah, eight terms, um, started in 2002, and I did like 12 years, and I took four years off, and then I got back four years ago, so there's that, and then um, I'm the executive director of the Musquamake Business Association, which I started up in 2000, or restarted, I should say, so that's been like 20-something years. So, the, and then I sell real estate for Berkshire Hathaway. So those are like my, you know, sort of real jobs. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I'm a DJ. So I do weddings and recently I've been playing a lot at the Windjammer and Swamakit in the summers, even in the winters. Um, so that's kind of a fun sort of outlet. And then sort of the side things I, I've done, a, I've done a couple of documentaries. Um, one that's on PBS right now about the course of Westerly. And I wrote a book two years ago that's coming out with a second edition and it's about uh, the Episcopal church and um, uh, how to save a declining church, which is kind of, you know, actually regardless of what denomination of Christianity, they all seem to be declining. So my book's probably helpful for people that run churches. So yeah, all that stuff. Now for that book that's coming up and about to be out soon, where can people find that once it is out? Um, Amazon. I have a copy of the, so it's, it's just an updated version. I put it out in um, late 2019 and I started, you know, going around to, to churches, you know, mm-hmm. who else cares about churches, but churches, right? Uh, so they would invite me to come speak. So I started speaking, you know, like after a church service at like, you know, their coffee hour or something, you know? Um, and then I, Right before the pandemic, I got invited to this great place down in Florida, Plantation, Florida. Um, and it was like as soon as, you know, as soon as I had finished that one, COVID, and then everyone shut down. So the book kind of just stalled there, you know. So I just a few weeks ago sort of wrote, you know, updated it a little bit with like in a post-COVID world. Because mm-hmm. some of the things I talk about, um, 
so the book is called The Death and Resurrection of the Episcopal Church, How to Save a Church in Decline. But the Episcopal Church is kind of experienced in the same kind of membership trends, whether you're a Presbyterian, a Methodist, a Lutheran, a Congregationalist, you know, any of those what they call mainline American churches have all experienced kind of the last 50 years of, of decline. So the book is kind of, you know, a how-to stuff that I've tried at my local church here, which is doing well, Christ Church in Westerly, where I'm the, um, the senior warden, which is kind of uh, old English for chair of the board. <laughs> so, yeah, so I wrote, so I just, you know, I'm ready to go back with the book and stuff. So that, yeah, it's just a little hobby sort of thing is, is, is that. So yeah, a lot of different, a lot of different things, but you know, uh, you keep busy. I, I wrote six or seven songs during the pandemic. I never really had written any songs before. So we're, my band and I are starting to record an album. I, I said, I want to, I want to produce a film, write a book and record an album. So I'm we're, we're, we got two tracks down and we're nice. hopefully going to finish. So yeah. So whether it's, whether it's music or film or, or anything, I think I always look to the past, having been a history major at Boston University, and I think I look to the past and and say what what was done right, mm. and how did they do it, and why recreate the wheel if there's like a great example of how to do something. So that's even with my book, it's like it's been done before. There was a time when churches were growing and not declining. Mm. So what were they doing when it was growing? Let's go back there, <laughs> and what caused it to stop? let's stop doing that. You know, it's, it's, you know, stop it. Um, and the same thing, like with the business association, you know, what works, what doesn't. So things that work for us, you know, like we have a great drive-in movie theater. We've been doing it for 10 years, but there's an old idea from like the fifties and sixties that we, you know, I didn't, I wasn't original. I mean, I just brought a drive-in back to Westerly after 30 years of not having one. So I guess that's creative in a way, but, it's more of a copycat situation. We do big festivals at the beach. We just copy what these other people do. You get a Ferris wheel, vendors, entertainers, and there you go. It's nothing, again, it's nothing original, but it's cool. And, and, and it creates memories for people. And so, you know, we kind of, that's what we kind of do, you know, down here at our little beach area. Now, where did the idea come from for the beach band? The beach band. Um, well, I always wanted to have a band, but I was never a very good. I'm, I'm not a good musician. Um, I, I grew up singing in the chorus of Westerly. So I had, you know, some musical knowledge, I would say, although it was classical. It was church stuff and classical stuff. George Kent, he was the guy that taught me. But I think I took some piano lessons when I was a kid. But there was this guy uh, named Fred who showed me like um, how to like kind of just play the chords on a piano. So like. You know, I, if you put sheet music in front of me, I mean, I'd have to sit there and go, okay, that's a C, that's a D, and then I'd have to find it on the piano. That's how I would play. But if you just say, all right, play a C chord, an F and a G, I can do that and get by. So I, I, uh, we do this play every year um, for the last, this is our 25th year called uh, Guy Fawkes Bonfire Night, which is uh, loosely based. It's like a Monty Python meets the Beatles version of... Uh, this guy who tried to blow up parliament 500 years ago. So we do this comedy. Why not? Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wanted a band. So I got these great guys to sort of surround me and I plunked out the chords and we, 
that that's kind of how the band started. And then, you know, I got a little, we got a little, I said, all right, well, let's, let's play a little more. And then I, I would do these big music festivals and stuff and bring these really cool artists to town, whether it was Davy Jones from the monkeys or Jefferson starship or Eric burden and the animals, Jan and Dean, all these kind of bands of yesteryear. Um, and I'd be like, well, geez, if I'm raising the money, building the stage, 10,000 people show up, I'm opening. <laughs> I want my band to open. So that's kind of how the beach band really got going on You know, be like, Hey, you want to play in front of 5,000 people and open for, uh, you know, one of the monkeys. Most of the people in my band were like, sure. <laughs> so that's kind of how that happened. And then we got another little band called soul stone, which is more of acoustic thing. That's on the side. And that's kind of, that's kind of the band that's doing the record or the album, whatever you're going to, whatever you call it now. I don't even know if it's called, people still call it a record, even though there's, although vinyls, starting to sell more so maybe we can press an actual record but yeah so that's that's the whole genesis of all that now who is your favorite artist at this current moment my favorite artist is always the same artist since i was 14 years old paul mccartney and what would you say your favorite song of his is can't pick one you can't he's written hundreds and they're all good you know, I think favorite songs change from day to day, week to week, hour to hour, mood to mood. You know, you get sick of the same songs. I don't think you can have the same favorite song forever. I think it always morphs and changes and stuff. And it's not always his songs that are my favorite. You know, I get into I, I sort of like find something and then I get into it like really heavy for a few weeks. And then like I burn myself out on it or I'll go okay. see the person in concert, you know, and if I see him in concert, you know, then I'll be like, I want to listen to that, you know, for a while. Cause you know, it's like, Oh, you just saw the Eagles. You just saw Billy Joel, but then you get burnt out on it again. No, I kind of know what you mean by that. Cause that's the same approach that I take. When yeah. I hear a song that I like, is just like over and over again. So like, it's hard to pick one because in a week it could be something completely different. Absolutely. But music is the soundtrack of my life. I know, some people are really, you know, music people and some people aren't. Um, I'm a, everything I do is like, you know, there's got to be a soundtrack to it. Now, how did you connect with so many people on the Casual Cook show? I just asked them, you know, if you ask, people usually say yes, except Paul McCartney. He's never said yes to be interviewed by my show. So if you're listening to this, Paul, give me a call. Uh, no, you know, um, I had worked uh, in, in when I was at BU, I, uh, I worked at this place called the Kennedy School of Government, which is at Harvard. And they had this place called the Forum. And uh, I answered a call for a job. It was a great job. It was like 10 bucks an hour, which was pretty great in 1992. Um, and if you worked an hour, you still got a minimum of four. But anyway, the job was to like set up microphones and video guest speakers. And like every week it was someone amazing. So like the first week I was there, it was Ted Turner who founded CNN mm -hmm. and his wife, Jane Fonda, the actress. That's pretty high profile. You know, I remember one week it was um, Sarah Jessica Parker from Sex in the City and Matthew Broderick, you know, Ferris Bueller. And that was one week. Uh, another week was uh, vice president at the time, Al Gore. Uh, there was prime ministers. There were senators, Ted Kennedy, JFK Jr., all of these people Ross Perot at the time was, uh, you know, I'd run for president and I was like, you know, hooking up microphones for him and just in their presence. And I'm like, damn, if I, if I had a camera, I could interview these people. And then I went and did a semester in London and I got to meet Margaret Thatcher. 
uh, you know, who was the prime minister. She wasn't at the time. She was out of office because it was the 90s. But, you know, I'm sitting there going, damn, if I just had a camera, man, imagine like me interviewing Margaret Thatcher, the prime minister of England for all those years. So the next year I started doing a, like a local TV show at Public Access in Westerly. And then I started, you know, just did local stuff with like my friends and stuff and my dad, and people like that. And then I remember we, you know, we said, well, let's go cover some events. And so there was, I think in 1996, one of the presidential debates was like in Hartford. So we went and brought the cameras and, you know, it was before 9-11. So they let us in. So we're in this big room called Spin Alley. There's CBS, NBC, ABC, MTV. Everyone's there. And so are we. And these people are wandering around the talking heads, you know, the secretary of this, the governor of that, senator of this. And we're just interviewing these people because they don't know who we are. And, you know, and they think, well, if we're in there, we might be somebody. And then it just like my guest list built up. So then I was able to be like, well, I've interviewed Ted Kennedy and I've interviewed, you know, this and that. And then I went and knocked on Conan O'Brien's door in Avondale. His mother lives in Avondale uh, in the summer. And he was there. So I knocked on the door and said, can we do this interview? You know, and he's like, well, my mother watches your show. I said, well, let's get on this. So we went across the street to the boatyard and we did this interview with Conan. And then that, you know, OK, if Conan O'Brien was on the Caswell Cook show, then why can't, you know, someone else be? And then I started going to like, you know, if I saw people coming to like Foxwoods or Mohegan, you know, like Casey and the Sunshine Band or whatever, I would call their people and be like, you know, can we come and do an interview? And that would usually get me free concert tickets <laughs> and an interview with these cool people. And it just built. And then, you know, I had kids and it kind of fizzled and went away. And I've got all these tapes in my basement that I swear someday I'm going to, you know, when John McCain died last year, I was like, damn it. I, I have such a, I have this amazing interview with him where we spent time with him in 2000 or 1999 when he ran for president first time um, on his bus, the straight talk express. And I've just got this amazing interview with him where we just, he was being casual. He was calling my girlfriend at the time on the phone, like just being funny. And I had this great interview with Bob Dole and he just recently died. And I'm like, damn it. I want to put that. I want, I should post that because it was a great interview with Bob Dole, you know, great, great guy. And so someday I'll do that. But anyway, so long story short or short story longer a few years ago, this local guy, Ben Barber, who's become like the guru of streaming. He said to me, why aren't you doing the casual cook show? And I said, I don't know. There's no money in it. And it's like, you know, I'm 40 something and I got kids and I don't have time to go play around at concerts. He's like, I know, but you know." So anyway, we started doing the show and we interviewed, uh, we had Tom Wopat. He was in the Dukes of Hazard. He was Luke Duke. And he, I think he was my first guest back and Billy Gilman and a couple of people. And then COVID hit. So then we started streaming and being able to, you know, use StreamYard, which is like Zoom. And I just went through my Rolodex of everybody I knew, all these rock stars that have played in Mesquamacate over the years. And they were all bored sitting at home, too. And I just had this amazing just these guests last year. I had we had uh, Peter Asher, who has a show on the Beatles channel. He worked for the Beatles. He was Paul McCartney's roommate. He produced and discovered James Taylor, uh, produced uh, Linda Ronstadt. Um, just an amazing, so he was a guest. Uh, there was a band, Gary Puckett and the Union Gap. I always liked their songs. And he came on the show, the Cowsills, who were a band out of Rhode Island that went on to have a big hit with Hair, the musical. Um, 
trying to think of all the people we had on last year, Jonathan Edwards, who had a song sunshine go away today. Um, I was just a lot of, we, we just like almost every other day we were doing a, an episode and I think we, and it really kind of took off. And then, you know, the summer came and COVID kind of went away. And again, the show's kind of fizzled again, unfortunately, but uh, we had two really good runs, one in the nineties and two thousand early two thousands. And then one last year and the year before. So there'll be more shows and uh, more cool guests and stuff, you know? Now, for someone that wants to eventually get into that, what advice would you give that individual? That wants to get into television or? That wants to get into exactly what you just said, interviewing interesting people and getting to the scoop of who they are, what they're doing and why they're doing it. Well, there's a lot of ways to approach it. I mean, unfortunately, my way has never made me any money. So it's, a, it's, it's been a hobby. I, uh, I got hired by uh, ABC, the local affiliate, in 2002 to start working there. And um, I went and filmed a couple of days. And I had also declared that I was running for town council. And when ABC found out, ABC6, they said, geez, you're going to have to make a choice. You can't, you, know, you can't be on TV and run for office because it's like conflict of interest sort of thing. And I don't know if I was wise or not, but I chose the politics over the TV thing. And of course, you, once you get over a certain age, you're not going to make it. Um, you got to get, you got to do this stuff in your twenties, early thirties, or you're done. Um, you know, rock and roll music the same way. You got to have your first hit early. Or, and then usually you're, you coast the rest of your life on those hits from your young days. Um, some people are able to, you know, reheat the souffle 20 years later and have another hit, whatever. And some people get into the to the TV thing later. But I think it's easy now. You can just do your own thing. You can have your own podcast, get your own sponsors, do your own, you know, streaming show, you know, and, and people are pretty accessible if you contact them and have, like I said, you got to have a, you know, a good sort of resume. You got to start and interview some interesting people and then be able to build on that. Um, but if you want to do it for money, I don't know. It's like one in a gazillion and you just got to get lucky send in your clips to every station you can. I remember at one point I was, I had a, a reel, you know, it was a tape that back then, a physical tape. And I had a promo thing with all my great interviews. And I was like, I wanted, I said, well, that's how I got the job at ABC six. And I had sent it to CNN. I sent it to VH one thinking they would maybe pick up on me because, you know, I interview old rock stars or something. I mean, none of it ever panned out. So, I, you know, it is what it is, but I had fun with it. And a lot of people around here enjoyed the show. And I, I really, I just, the experiences I've had, I mean, being able to sit down and have a one-on-one -on -one interview with somebody like Brian Wilson from the beach boys, that's the payment for me. You know, I mean, there's this guy, he's this genius, you know, and he's such a mystifying creature and uh, he's got, there's a new documentary out about him, long promise road. Then there was a movie made about him with John Cusack and, you know, he's Brian Wilson. I mean, he wrote fun, fun, fun. He wrote surfing USA. He wrote songs that I don't care what age you are. You just know who the beach boys are. And yet he's this troubled schizophrenic guy. And like, so here I am sitting with him and trying to interview him. And he gives like two word answers. And, uh, but you know, there he is. I'm kind of pinching myself. I'm like, Jesus Christ, that's Brian Wilson, man. <laughs> so it's moments like that. You know, 
that 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 you know, like damn all right that's cool yeah I, I listen to the radio uh or i watch stuff on tv or whatever and i'm like yeah i know him i've talked to him that one's been on my show my daughter thinks i'm nuts you know she's like what are you talking about like i know these people man then of course someone dies like well they were on my show um i was born in the wrong decade that's my problem i should have been born in the 50s so i could have experienced the 60s but instead i was born in the 70s so i missed it all now where did the idea come from to do it to do a show yes just you know wanted to do a show just uh i was i was really big uh, in college into the late night stuff you know so i i remember watching johnny carson's last year in 1992 i think and he went off the air and Letterman got promoted. Uh, they picked Conan to replace Letterman. And Jay Leno was up for the Tonight Show. And there was like, I remember those movies about it at the time. The Late Night Wars was like a book. And I just really got into late night talk shows. I just really, you know, I really liked that whole group of people um, who are now most of them. Yeah, they're all off. Conan's not even on the air now. Um and I'm like, I can do that, <laughs> you know, why can't I do that? You know, so that's why I started doing that's how that's if the first season of the Caswell Cook show was, you know, I come out behind a curtain from behind a curtain. I got a sidekick. Uh, there's a desk I sit behind. I tell a few jokes and then I bring my guest on and then I might have a musical guest. I mean, it was a complete, again, copy of any of those talk show formats. No, that sounds amazing. <laughs> well, Everything sounds amazing when it was in the past. Now, what was your experience like as a disc jockey and what is it now currently? You know, it's weird. I mean, so I really started as a disc jockey on the radio. You know, um, my friend Chris at high school said they needed somebody to work at a radio station. It was WJJF in Hope Valley and WPJB Bright 102.7 FM. So I started like just doing like liners, commercials switching reel to reel tapes inserting carts in this thing called a cart deck which is before uh doing the news um so that's how i started and then i was in college and somebody needed a dj for a party and i i didn't have any equipment but they said you know we've got like a 10 cd changer and you know so i and, and we have cds so i kind of figured it out anyway I think it was 1995. I would go to the Andrea with my friend Elaine, um, and she always she, she was beautiful. She's a beautiful girl, woman uh, that I grew up with, and uh, we were roommates at the time. And we would go to the Andrea, and she would always have all her friends with her. So she'd bring like these like you know seven or eight gorgeous women walking into the Andrea with me. Now they weren't really walking in with me. I just happened to be her roommate, so I got to tag along. So I think Lenny owned the Andrea was like who the hell is this guy? You know, we've got to get him over here. So I met my friend, Dave Christina, who had been the DJ, who is still a DJ, DJ Dave. And uh, he, I would start to hang out with him and kind of learn how the, how the process worked. And then like, he would say, okay, well, you know, why don't you come down and like do a Sunday night, you know, like when it's slow and you can use my equipment. And, and that's how I started. And then within a couple of years, I was, you know, I had my own equipment my own CDs. I was doing, you know, Friday, Saturday nights, we were DJing together. And I mean, the place was nuts. I remember one time 
we had these big speakers and we'd get up on top of the speaker and like kind of hold the mic out over the crowd and they would sing along and put their hands in the air and scream. And one time it was like so nuts. I remember just jumping into the crowd and they like carried me across the crowd. And it was that kind of a scene, you know, we were young, uh, in our twenties and, um, it was fun, man, to, uh, DJ at the Andrea Musquamacan. I did that for a long time, probably 15 years. And then, you know, had kids. <laughs> Superstorm Sandy took the Andrea part of it away, you know, the part that we, where we used to do the DJ part. Um, and I started to, you know, I became a wedding DJ. But then, um, like two years ago, Charles uh, and Amy at the Windjammer, the owners of the Windjammer, said, you know, you were really good the other night when you DJed that wedding. Why don't you DJ, you know, for us out on the patio or, you know, so I did. And I don't know, it just, it grew. And last summer I must've played 15 times uh, out on that patio. And I was supposed to play one to five and I'd end up going to like eight. Cause they'd just be going one more song, one more song. And then I'd play inside at night and, these people just show up and these like kids, these people like in their twenties and stuff showing up. And I'm like, shit, this is like cool again, you know? And they're like, I, 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 they were, they're like paying me to come play music. And then people are like handing me fifties and hundreds. Uh, this one woman said, can I do, get a selfie with you? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And she's like, is 20 bucks. Okay. I'm like, okay. <laughs> that's the going rate for a selfie with caswell i'll take it so like it it really grew and i've got this like group of people that likes to come and see us so this year i've uh we, we planned out my summer dates and i've got like 25 gigs at the windjammer this summer <laughs> and one of them's on the fourth of july where i'm going to start at one in the afternoon and go to one in the morning it's a marathon so it makes me feel young although the next day i feel old my legs hurt my feet start to hurt because i'm jumping around but i've learned i learned that um and i say this to charles and amy i said i don't get this you know i literally have to like leave the patio and go hide so these people will go away and stop making me play but i become more interactive i'll like sing the songs i dance you know with them and get get everybody involved and uh it, it's it's definitely a lot of fun but um I always tell them I was not this good back then. Like I, I know we were good in the nineties, but it's different now, now that I'm in my forties, I've got a little more experience and I know how to take care of people that are 21 or 71 and be able to keep the, all those people interested in the same room, which is tough. Cause you know, you go to the casino and it's like, you know, there might be a DJ, but it's like one type of thing, you know? So you, you do that. And, and, so it, 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 it depends where you're at, you know, um, but at where we do it, it's just like, you know, you play a, a, an eclectic mix of stuff and, and it keeps people excited. Yeah, it definitely takes an art to be able to do that. It is an art. It's, I mean, it's not like it's hard and I'm no beat mixer. You know, there's like, you know, my buddy, Chris Walsh, who does those documentaries I was talking about, that's, he's the videographer and the editor. I mean, he's like a master mixer. Like he actually mixed for MTV. They had these CDs in the nineties, uh, MTV party to go volume one, two, three. I mean, Chris Walsh produced that stuff. He gets to go to the Grammys every year because his, his album sold millions. I am not that guy. You know, I can't, I couldn't, I can barely mix, uh, good times by chic into rapper's delight, which is the same freaking song. And I, even then I mess up, 
but I do have a way that I can read the crowd and know what they want to hear next before they know they want to hear it. That's the only thing I can do that, that maybe some of the others don't do as well. But that's an important like aspect of like DJing. I have fun. So they have fun. Now, what is a typical work week look like for you? <laughs> uh, well, this is part of it, you know, talking about stuff. I don't know. Uh, every week's different, you know, from Memorial day to labor day. I don't stop. It's like you wake up in the morning and I forgot in the summer, I also have a restaurant. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's like, you got, you know, you run there, you do that, you make sure that's running well. And then you go DJ and then the drive-ins at night, which is like five nights a week. So I got to make sure my staff is set for that. And then we've got a, a staff that cleans up the trash at the beach. We got to make sure they're out. I, I think my, my life is like, uh, you know, the plate spinner guy, uh, kind of like a conductor would do. And I remember uh, Andrew Howell from the chorus said being a conductor is like spinning the plates and knowing which one to hit. So I think with my jobs, you know, it's like, all right, well, we got the tunes on the dunes concerts, Mondays and Wednesdays. We got drive-ins five nights a week. We got this gig over here. We got the restaurant there. What's got to be, you know, and, and so I just, I think what I do is I'm a good delegator so that I don't suffocate, <laughs> delegate, not suffocate. And, uh, you know, just keep things running. So the summer is just like this intense busy time. I don't have any spare time. Um, it, and it's a whirlwind and it, and like Memorial day to labor day just goes like, you know, we, we kick it off with our spring festival, three days, 15,000 people, you know, a hundred thousand dollar event. And we got, you know, and, and then it's, it's there and it's done. And then summer's here and then fall fest. And then my last thing is the Guy Fox thing. It's like, I got a couple of weeks to write a script and rehearse a cast but my life is interesting because, you know, one week I'm directing a play and the next week I'm, you know, selling a house. So it's, it's, it's definitely <laughs> no, but the winter is definitely downtime more. And, and the winter is, you know, planned for the summer, you know, which is fun. Now, what does creativity mean to you? Well, I don't know. Cause I don't feel creative. So, I don't know what I, creativity to me is, you know, people like Paul McCartney <laughs> that, that are just like original and, and, and people that can paint or, or uh, people that can work with wood. I just, I, and I, and, and or jewelers, my best friend, Matt's a jeweler. And I just don't understand how he can sit down at a table and take a piece of a hunk of whatever and turn it into something beautiful and have the patience to spend hours on something. Creative people spend hours and hours and hours on their craft. And that's something I don't have any idea how to do. I, I, I'm too ADD for, to, to, to do one thing really, really well, which is probably my downfall. But that's what I think a creative person is. Now, the last question that I have is, what is the most important lesson you have learned this far in life? Uh, don't, don't, don't wait and think uh, you can do it tomorrow. <laughs> you know, because uh, time just flies, man. It's like one minute you're 10, and then the next minute you're like, 40 and then it, it and you know they'll it, the older you get i think the more they tell you that the years go by really fast and 
time flies, but like, it really does. Cause it's like, I'm sitting there going, geez, it was just a year ago. That was a year ago. <laughs> you know, then I look at my kids and I'm like, where did you people come from? Uh, they talk back and stuff, you know? Um, so, you know, I feel like I'm in a good spot right now. I'm cool with how old I am at this point and, and, and where everyone is, but I can imagine as I get down the road, it's like, you don't want to have regrets. You know what I mean? So you just gotta, you gotta do it as fast as you can. Unfortunately in politics, things are really slow. So it's like a, it's kind of like a marathon, you know, instead of a sprint, but uh, you know, just get it, get as much done as you can. Now, thank you. Uh, do you have any questions for me, for Sayer? What are you doing this for? I'm doing this basically for because I want to be a content writer, and eventually I want to either be, if this doesn't work out, my backup plan is to be a data analyst. But I do like the interview aspect. Ever since I got in with like WBLQ. Right, right. Good old Chris Tafalo. Well, yes, he's he's got a lot of people there start. And he started when he was a teenager with this guy, John Fuller, and he uh, he learned his craft. And he's, you know, there's not very many people that can have a local radio station and actually survive, and he's done pretty well. Yeah, it takes quite a bit of not just networking, but, like, intuitive, like, knowledge to be able to know when to do stuff, how to do stuff, and what aspects need to be done at certain, like, times. That's true. That's true. Well, you keep up the good work. Thank you.